This is Eat You'll Feel Better, a podcast about the food mood connection. I'm your host, food journalist Mary Beth Albright. This week, we're talking about hanger. The theory that the physical feeling of hunger is often accompanied by emotional feelings of irritability and just anger generally. That's what it comes from. The mashup of hunger and anger together is hanger. Um, And there's the reason we're talking about this is there is some really groundbreaking science about hanger that we'll talk about in a few minutes. But first, it's just interesting to me that this definition of hanger was added to the dictionary in 2018. I mean, obviously, hanger, H-A-N-G-E-R, is uh, means a lot of different things in both slang and dictionary English. But, um, but it was added, this definition of hungry and angry together was added to the dictionary in 2018. And the reason that's so interesting to me is because humans create words to describe feelings and concepts that are experienced by more than one person. I mean, just generally, there aren't a lot of words that would describe something that only one person feels, right? Because it's not, it's not universalized. And for some reason, the idea that you're so hungry that you're that you're feeling the the feeling of hunger so acutely that an emotion arises alongside of it alongside of that physical feeling came to some kind of critical mass in the year 2018 so i want to frame the general conversation around hunger around why we and i i very much count myself among this group why we lucky people who have access to so many different kinds of foods at any different time, and foods that can remain intact after being thrown in a purse or a bag for a year, and you can find it a year later and you can still eat it and not get sick, Um, that we lucky people who have access to that kind of food are experiencing this kind of deep hunger. I mean, logically, it just doesn't make sense because you don't feel about hanger when you're talking about um, you know, people who are literally starving in this world. You hear it when we're talking about people who are in an office and you know didn't have lunch until two o'clock or something like that. Um, it's used in this very casual way. And logically, it just doesn't make sense that people who have access to whatever food we want, whenever we want it, can still be this hungry. And Of course, not everyone has this privilege of plenty of food in the world, but those of us who do, again, including myself in this group, are still allowing ourselves to get so hungry that it affects our emotional well-being. And I think it goes back to the obsession with thinness and food control that really are the hallmarks of diet culture. And I'm personally reflecting on the ways that diet culture still rears its ugly head in my life. Even though my work every single day is focused on promoting the science of the food mood connection and using food in a positive way to influence your emotions. And still, even though my chosen job is working in the space that values food's positive effect on emotional well-being, over foods contributing to me getting farther away from some body ideal of being thin. 
and as small as possible, even though I value food's contributions to my body and to my brain and to my spirit, I still often ignore my own hunger. When those first indications of hunger come up, I still experience them sometimes as something to be repelled by, right? Something to ignore and just hope it goes away. Something to save for when it's more convenient. And honestly, something to suppress. Because there's something in diet culture that tells me, even though my work is counter to this, even though science tells me differently, there's something in diet culture that sticks into my mind that says to me, the longer I stave off hunger, the less food I'll eat. And in diet culture, eating less is always better. So no matter who you are, what you're feeling, if you eat more of anything, there's just a stigma around that. So that remains very much lodged in my head. So let's go back to the science here. Remember that hunger, real physical hunger, is a biological cue. And that feeling of hunger has adapted over millennia to be a signal that our bodies need food. And it's a critical signal because in a hunting-gathering world, which P.S. humans lived in for most of our existence, in a hunting-gathering world, we may have died without that hunger pain telling us, okay, look, even though it's really hard to find food, and even though it's a lot of work, and even though it's a lot of physical effort, you have to find food now or your body will stop working. I mean, hunger is literally an existential pain because if we ignore hunger, we stop existing, right? So hunger is there for a really important reason. And the thing is, in our world today, hunger is complicated. And if you're lucky enough to have access to enough food and to many different kinds of food, there is evidence that hunger is more complicated in the 21st century than being just that physical signal. And that's for a lot of reasons. And just two of those reasons are, so first, that the types of food that we have access to can often encourage consumption without end, that idea of craving. And knowing that we can have food at any time allows us to think that we can continue to put hunger off. And second, this is so interesting to me. When I first started doing this research decades ago, um, this was one thing that really stuck with me, that in nature, foods that occur in nature just don't have both high fat and high sugar content. You don't get, in nature, you don't get those two things together. You get those two things together when humans make food, when humans combine ingredients, but in nature, Foods that have a lot of sugar don't usually have a lot of fat. And foods that have a lot of fat don't usually have a lot of sugar. Um, high fat and high sugar in the same food just doesn't occur in nature. But those foods that we often overconsume and those foods that are shelf stable, because usually because they've been ultra processed, do have lots of fats and added sugars in that same piece of food. And as people who think about food a lot know uh, that just because a, a food doesn't taste sweet doesn't mean it doesn't have a lot of added sugar in it. There are a lot of foods that don't taste sweet that have a lot of added sugar. 
So there may be something about that combination that confuses our body's natural hunger signals. And there's a lot of research going on about that and why it happens. Um, And we don't know why yet. But right now, we have greater ability to produce certain types of food than we have understanding about what we are creating and about what that effect is on our bodies. And in the interest of having more information about our bodies and food and hunger and emotional well-being, today I'm sharing research about hunger. Because even if our logical thinking brains understand that hunger is complicated, our primal brains still experience hunger as an existential pain. It's much like any physical pain that happens in the body that indicates that something, that thing that hurts in your body needs attention because ignoring hunger pains biologically, historically meant dying. So there's a lot of research right now around what scientists call hangry neurons. Okay. Neurons are cells in your body that have special abilities to communicate directly with each other. A lot of cells in your body can communicate only by sending messages to each other through, say, like the blood, right? But they can't directly communicate with each other. Neurons are in direct contact with each other. And most people think about neurons as being in your brain. And yeah, there are a lot of neurons in your brain, but neurons are also all over your body, including a ton of them in your digestive tract. And those digestive tract neurons talk directly to your brain neurons. We'll be right back. So there are a lot of hanger studies that show what a lot of us already know, why we came up with a word for it, right? For hungry and angry together. There are studies showing that in humans, the sensation of hunger is associated with feelings that are perceived as negative. And of course, that's just one of so many ways we know of that food influences emotions. P.S. There should be a word in science for when they do a study to objectively show something that everybody already knows anecdotally, right? I feel like there should be a word for that. There isn't, to my knowledge, but we also know that the brain that the same part of the brain that regulates emotions, it's called the hypothalamus, you don't need to remember that, but I'm just letting you know. The same part of the brain that regulates hunger regulates emotions. And in studies on mice, you can't do these studies on humans because it, it um, ethically, it, it means you know tapping into someone's brain and there are all kinds of ethical things about tapping into humans' brains, um, but generally accepted in the medical community is doing mouse studies. And in mouse studies, that part of the brain actually coordinates the emotions with the hunger. Um, And they call into action a specific type of neuron. And scientists call these neurons hangry neurons, because when lack of food activates those neurons, the neurons send a message. Sure, they send a message of, I don't have enough food. That's expected. Our brains have evolved to do that. But the brains, the surprising part of this research is that at the same time that the neurons send that hunger signal, they also send emotional signals. 
And those emotional signals are also associated with fear and anxiety and anger. And humans perceive those those emotions as negative, right? Um, they can be very protective. Having fear allows you to like run really fast if you're in a in a dangerous situation. But we perceive those feelings as negative. Um, and then when the mice eat, those hunger and anger feelings at the same time go away. And no one knows why we evolved this way. To have a negative feeling alongside the feeling of hunger, the feeling of an empty belly. One theory is that thousands of years ago, the people who felt just hunger didn't quite understand how important that hunger feeling was to survival. So only the people who experienced negative emotions alongside that hunger actually ate. So when you feel hangry, you can know that you are exceptionally evolved that you come from exceptionally evolved people, right? Because your body is telling you hungry and angry at the same time. So hanger is real. And when we think about emotional well-being, it's a big part of it. Because I know for me, when I put off eating because of some idea that, okay, I'm hungry, but also, you know, maybe I can wait a little bit and maybe I... It just, it, it's not doing myself a favor and it's sure as hell not put, doing anyone around me a favor, right? Because then I get irritable. Um, so for this week, the one thing that you can do for yourself, and I'm doing it for myself too this week, and my emotional well-being is that when you feel hunger, eat something. I mean, I know it sounds simple, but so often we don't. And try to eat something that is not an ultra-processed food. And okay, that what is an ultra-processed food? That's hard to define. And you can go back and listen to the ultra-processed food episode where I, where I get into that. It's about 15 minutes long and you can get like a primer on that. But as shorthand, eat something that you like that has only ingredients that you can find in a home kitchen. And that's sort of one of the one of the baselines, one of the benchmarks for deciding what's an ultra processed food. There are a lot of different definitions out there, and even the definition I just gave you is imperfect. Because when I was outlining this episode, while literally while I was outlining it, I got hungry, and of course, my first instinct was to ignore and to work through the hunger. But then I realized the irony of that. I mean, ridiculous, right? So I went into the kitchen and I got some cottage cheese and the kind I enjoy the most. Like it wasn't like, oh, I'm being so virtuous. I'm having cottage cheese. Like I really love this cottage cheese. It's a probiotic brand and it's really tangy and the curds are small. So it, it, it almost has the consistency of cream cheese. It's delicious. Um, so the kind I enjoy most was in the fridge. And I looked at the ingredients because I was just thinking this thing to myself, like defining ultra processed foods. And the ingredients are milk, cream, salt, and lactic cultures. And, you know, I spend my life doing this work. So I know lactic cultures are not just okay, but really great for you. But if I didn't have that specific knowledge, I might be standing at the refrigerator being like, well, I don't have lactic cultures in my pantry. I don't use it in my home kitchen. So is this food okay? And, you know, and some people put off hunger just because of this confusion of information. Like I just don't even know what to eat. Um, so when you're hungry, this is the thing to do this week. When you're hungry, eat. Eat a food that isn't ultra processed and use your best judgment. 
And don't worry about being perfect about it. There's no perfection in food and eating anyway. But the important part is when you're hungry, eat something that has the potential to nourish you. As I said, for your own good and for the good of everyone around you. Because you'll avoid that hanger and uh, you'll be taking care of yourself. And that's what eating for emotional well-being is all about. I'm Mary Beth Albright. Until next week, let's remember, choosing what to eat is always a privilege. Bye.